Hello, and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Dupa, Vanity Fair senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week, from the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. Again, so much to catch up on this week as Meghan and Harry tour the uh, Australia-New Zealand uh, region. They are still on tour as we record this podcast. It sort of feels like an endless... I can't remember a time they weren't on tour at this point. I don't know how they're still doing it. And I feel like you can gradually even tell in the photos. As each day goes on, I feel like you can see like a hint of sort of like emerging anxiety in their eyes as this like just keeps going. Uh, We've gotten some amazing dispatches from... We have so many great listeners in Australia and New Zealand who have been sending us like tips and feedback. We'll get to some of that. We also have another Megan pregnancy conspiracy theory. So we're going to really evaluate, dig in on that. And that came from another amazing caller. We're also going to check back in with Kate Middleton, who has been, she's really reemerged from maternity leave and... It's an interesting counterpoint to all of Megan's public appearances. Completely. Let's kick off with this amazing anonymous dispatch from Australia. It's so good. Josh, I feel like you should read it. I love an anonymous dispatch. So this came in via Twitter, is that right? Or or voicemail? I think it was Instagram message. Sorry, correct. Instagram DM. So many different mediums and channels at this point. Can't we keep track are available of them everywhere. I know. We're like our own media company here. An amazing DM. The person wants to remain anonymous, so we will keep it anonymous. I have a connection that was part of the Fiji visit. If everyone isn't like on the edge of their seats right now, I mean, just starting this, a connection involved with the Fiji visit. In between the Australia and New Zealand legs, Megan and Harry went to Fiji and Tonga, two separate stops. So that's, I guess, what this person's referring to, the Fiji stop. Okay, back to the message. Due to their position, I can't disclose the seniority. They're important. That's all you need to know. And the connection was very close to Meghan and Harry. I mean, this is just spellbinding. Apparently, Harry isn't as good looking in real life. And Meghan is a lot slimmer and somewhat more bronzed in her makeup. This is like going right for it. You thought it was going to be kind of um, like about their, you know, diplomacy or like, I don't know. But it's like, nope, we're going right into like how they look. The Fijians, Fijians didn't think she needed that heavy makeup. In fact, they thought she looked a bit birdie and underweight for a pregnant woman who is, quote, 15 to 16 weeks, quote, totally due in April. It was also super hot when she was in Fiji and security details said she left the market because she felt sick. It's an open air market and 37 degrees when she arrived at 10 a.m. She almost charmed the Fijians, but not really. What a kicker. God, this is a there's a lot of menace in here. I guess we should recap quickly the context of this message being that Megan went to an open air market in Fiji. It was a planned appearance and like somewhat controversially, I guess, it was sort of received a lot of blowback from the royal reporters who were on the ground because some of them were saying the palace kept changing why, but she cut her visit short. I guess she was only there, what, like five or six minutes. Right. And I think it was scheduled for like 15 or 20. So some of the people that were there, like the female entrepreneurs, like who had been promised a meeting with her, didn't get to meet her, according to some of the royal reporters who were there from the Sun and the Daily Mail. 
And it was sort of like, I think the palace said at first it was a security risk. And then they said it was like a crowd management issue. So this is another take on that from this high up person in the Fiji government. I don't know. Or some sort of like important person there. So they're saying it was really hot and security said she left because she felt sick, which isn't really what the palace said, I guess. Is that the idea? Right. I'm looking up because she says 37 degrees. I'm trying to convert that. Is that like a Celsius Fahrenheit? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So what's that, what does that mean, Fahrenheit? Okay, let's see. 98 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. Oh my God. So that is really hot, honestly. That is very hot. I would have rioted if I had waited in that heat to meet Megan and she was just whisked right out of there. You know... Maybe just to kind of like counterbalance here, I'm going to like play a little in defense of Megan, maybe. Like, I find it weird this whole, we've talked about this last week, like just the intensity of this tour while she's pregnant in this like unknown territory. Like, I don't really understand why she went to the Zika areas. I know she kind of like cut back on her appearances there, and I know it was a really small risk, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I just wouldn't, like, why take any risks of anything? You know what I mean? Like, she's Meghan Markle now. She doesn't have to. Yeah, I guess I would feel upset if I was in this market. But if, like, the market really was overrun with people, which, like, I guess it's questionable, like, and it was 98 degrees, like, I don't blame her, honestly. I don't blame her either. Josh, how many days do you think you could have done on this tour? Not pregnant, but just meeting stranger upon stranger upon stranger. Julie and I were G-chatting about this earlier, because, like... I don't think either of us are like, I mean, I've watched enough videos now over the past two weeks of like when they arrive at one of these things and it's just like Beatles style, like a mob of people just screaming at them and they kind of like manage to not look completely panicked. But I just do not know if I would even make it like four hours. Would you? I don't know. I'm very introverted. Social situations drain me a lot <laughs> the, the, the exact profile for someone heading out on a royal tour i think the 16 days so to megan one day would have been heroic like in my eyes but the fact that she's done all of this in that heat while pregnant it's pretty extraordinary gosh i am curious about this blind itemness of like who is feeding this intel about megan and harry irl right and i wonder how shaded these observations were by just the brevity of that appearance right i wonder if the people who are greeting them or like dealing with them or handling them are just upset because of this like open air thing getting cut short right i'd be curious if this person cares to respond again um how megan and harry were interpersonally did they seem super stressed yeah i'd love to hear that too did it seem like fake did it seem friendly i want to know more about their kind of dynamic do they have any sort of rider for these appearances like they need x y and z backstage i don't know like megan needs her like kombucha and like i'd love to know because you always see sort of like the grainy like long lens videos of when they're meeting these like diplomats or whoever the presidents of these places and then i always wonder like what they end up actually talking about when they go inside right or like what happens any insight into that would be really appreciated anonymous tipster thanks so much for that message there were a few other megan highlights while visiting new zealand as part of her royal tour megan had lunch at the local Murano. 
Cafe. Does that sound right, Josh? <laughs> oh, yeah. While there, the royal couple tucked into a spread of sweet treats, but couldn't quite manage to eat all of the cakes with which they'd been presented. After noting upon leaving the beachside cafe that local school children had gathered outside, the Duchess rushed back inside to make a request. Could the leftover sweets be given to the waiting tots? The cafe complied and brought the cakes to the assembled cuties who couldn't have looked any happier. Wow, Josh. I'd love to know the, the, the source of this. Me the too. Cuties. That kind of interaction got a lot of attention. I think I saw one headline that said this was her most charming moment so far of the tour. I feel like this is aligned with almost her... God, the banana bread feels like seven years ago. But this feels aligned with when she stayed up to make the banana bread and like when she wore that necklace. I feel like she's really nailing these kind of like touchy-feely human interest angle, I'm going to call it, moments. Like just the idea, like this is obviously like going to get such a good PR reaction that she had them bring the treats back out for the kids. Well, first of all, I want to note that my sister was so inspired by Meghan Markle's banana bread that I am sitting here with an actual piece of banana bread, chocolate chips included, that Grace made. Wait, this is, talk about burying the lead. It's weird too not to, and I feel like we always have to use this caveat, not to compare it so blatantly to Kate, but it's just like, it's so um, different than like it's just you can't even imagine Kate doing something like that because it's just like not the way the royals function, which I guess is cool in some sense. But it's like, I don't know. I'm intrigued to see if this kind of thing gets kept up or not, if the palace is going to be like down with it. Right. It seems very Diana-esque, like yeah, princess yeah. of the people. But it almost, if I'm Kate, I'm thinking like, okay, the gloves are officially off. Yeah. Well, we're going to get, I feel like we're like, when we get to Kate later, I feel like we yes. have some interesting things to discuss there. Okay, and definitely one of my favorite moments, if not my most favorite moment so far, was actually happened today or yesterday. They went to Auckland's Viaduct Harbor, and she was treated to a brass band and choir's rendition of the theme song from Suits, which, like, who knew anyone knew this? <laughs> like, the theme song, it's called Greenback Boogie by I'm a Robot. And I guess it was a plan concocted by a local radio station to get her attention and meet her. But based on the Instagram video that was floating around, it is very clear that she's either consciously not acknowledging it or she is uh, like just not hearing it because there's a lot going on. It sort of looked to me more like she just didn't hear it even because they're kind of like far back. But... On the other side of things, we do all remember last week the famous Heaps comment when she did not fail to mention Suits when asked what her favorite television show was on this tour. So part of me just also thinks she's completely trying to shun the suitsness of her biography. Right. What do you make of it, Julie? In her defense, I feel like who is familiar with the actual theme song of Suits? Like, this isn't the Sopranos theme song or something. <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised if Megan couldn't even identify it That's from a, good a lineup. That's because if she doesn't watch it back, which I sort of feel like she never did, even when before Harry, you wouldn't know the theme song off the top. I mean, well, that's not true. I'm sure she knows it. 
also now that i know it was like a radio station play it makes me a little less like enamored of it i thought it was like true suits fans who are just super excited to see like their idol because i did also read suits is extremely popular in the australia region right which is kind of a head scratcher for me but i i do love the idea that she recognized it and she chose not to acknowledge it because she is just immediately erasing that from her backstory her instagram situation we often have talked about how she was obviously extremely active had to shut down her account i thought it was interesting over the weekend one of the kensington palace official instagrams they've been kind of posting very frequently throughout the tour they tossed megan a photo cred uh for one of the shots of harry rehearsing i guess to speak at the closing ceremony um, and I was like wondering if this is sort of a sign of her inching back into either having some sort of more regular Instagram presence like Eugenie does, or I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. She's clearly like documenting everything on photographs and on photographs, God. And but it would be, I feel like she would want to be posting, you know? Um, and then Harry posted, which I thought was interesting, an Instagram story. His didn't make the actual feed. But it was like an aerial shot when they were flying in New Zealand. Ooh, I didn't even see this. This is fascinating. Also related to her Instagram account, she recognized a familiar face in the crowd at Auckland, stopping to hug a woman uh, moments before leaving her appearance. Just as she and Harry were about to get in their waiting car, Megan approached Hannah Sergel, Sir, Sir I guess, before embracing like old friends. That's because they were indeed friends on social media. She used to follow me on Instagram and we'd have conversations before she had to deactivate it, Hannah told Nine Honey, which I guess is some news outlet there. When asked what the then actress and her used to talk about, Hannah said, just random stuff. She'd tell me to do well at university and encouragement to be myself. So she means the world to me. She recognized me and knew who I was. So that's why she came over, Hannah said. She gave me a hug, which was incredible. When I first saw her, I cried. She's just such an incredible person. And I'm just so glad she's happy with Harry. I'm just surprised that she had what, like millions and millions of followers. I always sort of imagine that high profile actors and actresses wouldn't mess around too much with reading even any messages from someone they don't know in real life. Julie's eyes are saying a lot right now. All right, let's get to some voicemails. We have a call from Kelly who called in last week. Upon hearing her voicemail in the episode, she wanted to call back and clarify a little bit. Hi, this is Kelly from Birmingham. I'll let you guess if that means Birmingham, Alabama or Birmingham, England. Um, You played my message last week and it made me so happy about the coat. But I actually called to talk about how we keep blaming Megan for all of this, and we don't place any of the blame on Prince Harry, and I'm feeling really bad for doing that. I think I only blamed Megan for that whole jacket thing, and that was wrong of me, because she's pregnant. I mean, it's 50% her fault. Somebody else should be a little bit in charge here. Like, he's the actual member of the royal family, so I feel like he could step in and be like, hey, babe, maybe button the coat. Eugenie's going to get pretty mad if we overshadow this, but no, he didn't. So I think we all need to take a moment and place equal blame on Prince Harry. So I'm sorry, Meghan Markle, for blaming you for everything. I hope you get this message. Have a great day, y'all. Thank you, Kelly. We love you, Kelly. 
Next up, we have a great message from Izzy. Hi, Josh and Julie. Uh, it's Izzy from the UK. Um, I love your podcast, by the way. I listen to it every week. Uh, my boyfriend thinks I'm crazy, but I just love you guys spilling the tea. So anyway, today I was at work um, and I was just looking on Twitter and, and I followed this fashion account that kind of follows like Megan and what she's been wearing of late and stuff like that. And they actually tweeted an article about this company that created her dress that she wore recently in Tonga. It's like a white floor-length dress. And basically, the guy who created the dress, he said that he actually um, created it with a bigger inseam um, around the waist. And he created the dress in April, like a week before his fashion show. He dropped everything to create this dress. And I was just thinking, like, they weren't married until May 20th even though this dress was created in April. So either, like, they knew that they would be trying for a baby later this year or she was already pregnant, like, a month before the wedding, which is insane. So anyway, I just wanted to, like, spill that tea and see what you guys think. I'd love to get your opinions. Um, yeah, keep up the good work. Okay, speak to you soon. Bye. Izzy is referring to Megan's dress she wore to a state dinner in Tonga with King Tapu VI and Queen... Nana Supau, which is absolutely probably not how you pronounce their names, but it was a very important state dinner in Tonga. Megan wore this incredible dress from the brand Thea. It was a white column dress. A lot of people commented that she looked like a bride. Harry was in a black suit. He looked like a groom. Um, she looked so resplendent and incredible that the creative director of Thea, Don O'Neill, kind of did a victory lap after the appearance discussing the creation, the design, he said, when her stylist reached out to inquire if I could make a dress for her Australian press tour, I stopped everything we were doing. My bridal show was just a week away and immediately went to work on Her Royal Highness's gown. He finished the dress in two days. Megan loved it, but there was a problem. We needed to remake it with extra seam allowance, O'Neill explained. We knew immediately why this extra allowance was required, but mum's the word, and with less than one week to my bridal show, all hands were on deck once more. He managed to remake the gown. He literally had to run down to Broadway that Friday night to catch the UPS truck, making it with just two minutes to spare. Okay, so he gave these comments about how the dress came to be. But if we go back to the timeline, his bridal show was in April. Wait, I just like gasped internally. Wait, so the show, this whole thing he's talking about happened in April? He keeps referring to his brand's bridal show. He doesn't give the date of it, but upon looking up, the bridal show happened in April. There are several things that this could mean. Would they be planning this tour that early, though? That this would be a month before their wedding. Right. Do you think somehow he either misspoke? That seems like a crazy thing to misspeak about, though. So that means they were working on this before, A, a the month before the wedding when a lot of other stuff was going on. And B, they would have had to know she was pregnant, according to him. Right. I feel, I almost feel like just the timing seems too bizarre that he would have to rush to have this gown made in two days. I also just feel that weirdness aside, timing related weirdness, like you don't really see 
it's frowned upon, I believe, to talk about this. Like, I feel like the palace is not going to be recruiting uh, more outfits from him because I just feel like they don't like anything being shared about this kind of thing. And I noticed uh, Elizabeth Holmes, who's great. She, like, posts Instagram stories about the royals every day. She um, noticed that I, it was a different brand, not this one, but they... Uh, Megan wore something in Australia and the brand uh, immediately like called it the Duchess of Sussex dress. And then they actually had a photo on the page of like Harry and Megan with Megan wearing it. And then like four hours later, the name was taken off and the photo was removed. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Like the palace like clearly was like, you cannot be using her image to sell your dress and calling it the Duchess of Sussex dress. So I feel like these brands that really have tried to like jump on and capitalize, like they don't, that's not cool with the palace. So, so like even the fact that he's sharing all these details about the last minute, I mean, it's like interesting and I'm like love that he spoke about it, but I just feel like for his own livelihood, I'm acting like he's going to have like a hit taken out on him. If that chronology is correct, does that mean then that Megan found out she was pregnant in April and she is actually... Like before the wedding. Right, and she's six actually like months. much farther along. Yeah, right. something doesn't track about this bridal show detail. How do we know? How do we know the bridal show was in April? That's just when it was. That's just when it was, unless there was some second bridal show, but I didn't see anything about it. God, we need just like we had that Fiji source. We need a, a, an inside source here. I know. So if anyone has any clarity on the situation, on the bridal show, the whole situation here, yeah. I also find it kind of surprising the way he's making it sound. That the way like they reached back out to like let the dress out or whatever. Um, I'm surprised they would trust a designer with information that precious. Right. And also they explicitly, they didn't explicitly say that Megan was pregnant. They just asked for a seam to be let out. Right. I guess that's true. So maybe like they didn't even really connect that that's the reason. They just thought she wanted like a looser fit. Maybe Megan just gained a little bit of weight back then and they just needed the dress to be refit. I don't know. This is a very interesting conspiracy theory. But if anyone else has even knowledge about how many months in advance they really begin planning the wardrobes for these Yeah, that would tours, be very helpful. That would be interesting. Okay. What do we have next? Let's get to Michelle from Sydney. Our incredible on-the-ground reporter in Australia. Hi, guys. Uh, it's Michelle calling from Sydney again. I've just come out of the closing ceremony for the Invictus Games, which was at a stadium at the Sydney Olympic site. Um, and it was a great night. It was def I was definitely sitting in the nosebleed section. But I got to see both Meghan and Harry give speeches at the event, um, and it was very exciting. Harry spoke at the end of the night. Uh, he gave a long speech, a very emotional, impassioned speech about the vets who are um, competing in the games. Uh, he brought up mental health, obviously, again, um, and the, the issues the vets face with mental health, and he was very warmly received. It was so obvious that he's very beloved by the community there. Um, and he was definitely at the center point of the night. But Megan spoke earlier on, um, and I think she did a really good job. I think she was very well received. She talked about how before she met Harry, she had toured around visiting servicemen and women, um, and that being at the games reminded her of that. She thanked everyone for welcoming her to the community. She was very Megan, very relaxed, 
more comfortable than she's ever been, so natural, so happy. But I think she did a good job and everyone seemed very excited to see her. You know, it was a few of the uh, the government officials that spoke at the event, the governor and the premier, referred to her a few times as Her Royal Highness. I hadn't heard much before and it was kind of jarring to think, you know, Suits is such a popular show in Australia. To think the trajectory she's had from Suits actress to being at this big event just Her Royal Highness up on the stage. It took me back a bit, but it was pretty impressive. But immediately after she spoke, the Kingdom Come Choir performed at the closing ceremony, uh, the same choir that performed at her wedding. And I thought that was interesting. You know, the performance of that gospel choir seems like the Megan stamp on the royal wedding. And I thought, I wonder if this is her stamp on the Invictus game. Did she choose them to come along? It just seemed very Megan. Uh, anyway, I thought I'd give you the lowdown on the event. And thank you for the podcast, No Bad Energy. Thank you, Michelle, for that amazing uh, report from the ground. We really appreciate it. I feel like this speech got a lot of attention. It was sort of all over the place this weekend. I think she's given three speeches total this tour, which is unusual. Um, And I did see a commentator note that you know, this isn't like typical for a royal, let alone one who's just joined the the mix. But also, like, I guess this person was making the point that, you know, she's like an actress, which so she has some experience with, you know, performing, but that this is obviously a very different kind of thing to be giving like a speech at a public event and not like on a closed set filming her like law office scene and i guess i was thinking about it more and i am somewhat considering everything else that's going on with this tour and the crazy itinerary and the like three outfit changes a day i was impressed and i like that she emphasized feminism it's all happening so fast so i guess in that sense it seemed a little jarring and then i feel you michelle but i thought it was i was impressed super impressed i am going to be sad for this tour to end just because I don't want Michelle's reporting. I know Michelle's going to have to let us know what the fallout is after they leave. Like, I want to know like the post game, like what people like say afterwards. Right. Right. I I hope that you still call in with weekly dispatches. It has really been a delight getting those messages. All right. Let's talk about another person who has been loving their, um, the Australia tour, Jessica Mulroney. So Natalie, shout out to Natalie, who pointed out that Jessica Mulroney, Megan's friend, her best friend, in fact, was sort of like the de facto maid of honor at her wedding. Megan has made like some clandestine trips to Canada, supposedly to see her this summer, told her about the pregnancy in August. She's also a stylist. And she has sort of been like the ghost stylist. Like it's never been officially announce the way like Kate's have and such and she doesn't live in London she lives in Toronto so it's like all a little bit fuzzy about like sometimes it reminds me of like if I'm trying to decide what to wear to an event and I text photos to Julie and then she like tells me which one's the best like I don't know how much of it is like that or if it's like literally Jessica plotting out her outfits so that Megan can slot them into her binders. I still believe that is what the binders are. Yeah, I mean, perhaps. Anyway, Jessica went to Australia with her husband during the tour, not for the whole time, oddly, just for like the first week, I'd say. 
I follow her on Instagram. She posted regular stories that never included Megan or any royal events. You would just think from her stories that she was like taking a vacation in Australia. And it was like her wedding anniversary with her husband coincided with it. And her husband, we should note, is the son of the former prime minister of Canada. But I don't know. It's all a little weird to me. So like, I guess she was there to like help her with styling. Um, But... It's just odd, right? Right. She's kind of like her shadow stylist. And I'm curious what you make of this, Julie. She's now been tapped to appear as a commentator on Good Morning America. And she's from Canada. She has like a gig on a Canadian morning show. This is her first American gig. She'll be providing clothing tips and offer insights into the latest trends. She posted about on Instagram, explaining that she's now the fashion contributor there. It's her dream job. Hard work does pay off sometimes. Uh, tune in next Monday for another fun fashion segment. I just, you know, I'm interested. I watched some of the segment. There is no, to see if there's any mention of like Megan or explanation, not at all. So that's what's also weird to me because it's like, either I feel like she's not as involved as we think she is in styling Megan and the palace is fine with her doing whatever and she's just trying to like use this kind of like seeming connection to her advantage or she's really involved and the palace was like, but you cannot say a word about Megan. And that's like the agreement. Right. I find it surprising that Megan would even be okay with this. This is like, right. this is like Tina Knowles suddenly getting a gig on GMA as some sort of commentator. commentator. Right. I, I was surprised. I just feel like the timing of it after she went to Australia and like, it's so blatant to me it's like there's one reason they're very interested in having i mean she's obviously a talented stylist and you know has her success in canada but it's like this gma thing is happening because of her connection to megan so it's a little weird that it didn't get mentioned on air right i'm just going to be interested to see how their friendship evolves if it's at all affected by this just because the the firm or whatever they're so private they don't like anyone on these platforms like this is this. a really weird this is a really weird analogy but i was talking or a connection to make but i was talking to someone yesterday about busy phillips's book um which is very heavy on Michelle Williams like details because they're obviously famously very good friends and like red carpet dates and she kind of like shares a lot about Michelle and Heath Ledger in the book and I was like wondering to myself if that was like all cool with Michelle but then I was reading this interview with Busy about how like Michelle read the whole book and I was like oh obviously I guess that makes sense that she like made sure Michelle proofed it I'm bringing this back to Megan to say I have to assume Jessica was like uh, made sure Megan was okay with this because I feel like she wouldn't want to jeopardize her like big thing right now. But like I'm surprised Megan was almost. I'm curious how frequently she'll be on the show. If I feel like she'll be asked about Megan, especially like around these tours or a public it's appearances. Just, it's, re- it's really weird to not have it be brought up at all. As if like she's just this rant, like the cool stylist they found, like oh, read, like she just got brought, you know what I mean? Like, like it's weird to not mention it. Right. I don't know, but I love, um, we have, we got a little message from another Julie on Instagram kind of about Jessica Mulroney and the fact that Megan went out in that red self-portrait dress with the tag hanging off of it. 
I mean, that was wild. But yeah, I, God, there's so much this tour. Like, each of these things could be its own episode normally. I know, but I could also see that being, like, a very purposeful thing that Megan did. Like, a little tactic to make her seem more relatable. You don't think so? Oh, yeah. I could see that. I hadn't really thought about that. It seemed like a wild oversight to me. Right. How many people? Security. Everybody Exactly. Like, her. that to me felt like the palace letting her down. Okay. Julie's message. Jessica Malroni, Megan flew you all the way to Australia and this still happened? Is Jessica getting these clothes and returning them? Was this an oversight? Also regarding the dueling dresses, Megan to me seems like she'd be the competitive type with Kate and trying to be number one in the spotlight. I also took Kate wearing the lover's knot tiara with the full-blown princess dress and brooch from the queen as an assertion on her part. I love the tone of that comment. I, I, I do feel like there's something odd, like because she doesn't live in London and she isn't like with them at every appearance. Like I feel like when Kate has a stylist, she flies with them and is like with them. And I feel like the fact that a lot of these dresses don't even look fully like, like there's like wrinkles or I don't know, just like there's like a lot about like those, like just the last minute touches to these things. It feels like it's being missed somehow, like the tags or the fit or whatever. So like, I'm wondering if it's like, I don't know, it's like hard to blame Jessica fully because we don't really even know. But I assume like that's how like the clothes are being obtained. Right. Why are there tags even on those when Megan gets them? Um, we should check back in with Kate briefly. It's been really interesting to see her return from maternity leave. She wore like an amazing off the shoulder dress, I think, during one of her first appearances. She was out on Tuesday to visit Coach Corps with Prince William. Um, Coach Corps is a program that trains young people to become coaches and encourages the next generation of athletes. She was wearing this amazing kind of menswear-inspired checkered blazer. Did you see that, Josh? It was kind of a sporty look. It was an interesting... I was into it. Of course, the Daily Mail immediately tried to act as if that was like a Megan look that Kate was like copying, which... Is so clearly not the case to me. Like Kate has been wearing blazers since the beginning of time, kids. <laughs> but like, no, it just was like we. It was funny to me the Daily Mail like couldn't even help itself and just was like immediately going to like her somehow aping Megan style. Um, I thought the blazer was great. It was a new blazer, apparently. Right, I liked it too. She wore it with a turtleneck sweater and black jeans. At one point during the appearance, a fan reached out to hug Kate. And it is a little bit weird because I feel like you don't often see Kate interact that much with fans. So it was a little surprising. But not only did Kate hug the woman back, she told her, hugs are very important. I keep saying that to my children. As I said to you, it was just funny to see Kate like hugging everything in sight at this appearance. Um, I do feel like I agree with you. This is not the normal Kate and it's uh i'm about to do what i just said the daily mail did and like made fun of them but like it feels hard not to somehow connect it to what's going on in australia right now with the tour and like kate does seem i will say very they both kate and william both look very full of life with this appearance they were like playing tennis and like some bocce game i thought kate looked like more relaxed than usual she's like hugging these kids so either like the megan thing is like taking the pressure off a little bit and she doesn't feel like she has to be like not that she was anxious before but just like i don't know i just feel like maybe it's like loosening her up a little bit or it's more if you want to take a little bit more of a conspiracy theory stance it's like somehow intentional that she's trying to like 
shows she's also like one with the people. I feel like she always interacted. This does feel though like the hugging was like a lot. The hugging was a lot. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at In the Limelight to further discuss these subjects. You can also follow us individually. I'm at Jay Duboff. I'm at Julie W. Miller. You can rate and review us on iTunes. We love five star reviews. We also have an Instagram at In the Limelight Pod. And just as a reminder, we have a hotline. So please feel free to call in, give us any more insights feedback, any hot tips you might have. That number is 347-790-0966. This episode is edited and produced by Daniel Roth. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. And until then, no, no bad, bad energy. energy.